Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. To learn more about Anchor Church, go to www.anchorchurch.life. So we are finishing this Welcome Home series today, and the idea behind this whole thing is just the idea of how church really is a home. It's a, it's a family. It's a community. And uh, the opportunity that we have as a church family to, uh, to come alongside each other, to come alongside our city, to come alongside our community, outside the walls of this church, and how, um, how we really can be doing life together as a family. And uh, the first week, if you remember, we had a guest speaker, Sean Sears, was here, and he said, listen, this, this church is not for you. The church is you. We are the church. The people is what makes the church up. And, uh, and so that was so important for us to, to, to realize and to, to move on and learn from. And then last week, I talked about living life intentionally in light of eternity and how we have an opportunity to interact with people. And I hope that you took the challenge of just being able to connect with somebody uh, here on Sunday, and maybe you got a, a chance to connect with somebody outside of, of these four walls, uh, living intentionally in light of eternity and recognizing the opportunity that we have just to be able to come alongside people. And, uh, and I really hope that that was the case. And so today, I kind of want to throw a couple different um, things out to you. This is some stuff that I've, I, I've been researching and looking at and studying, and, and, and I love this mentality. And it's, it's really kind of the Jesus model of, of how he uh, just did his own ministry when he was here on earth. And, and I thought that this would be a great way to wrap this series up because it's a great way for us to be able to look at who we are as a church, for us to be able to look at how we are a church family and how this is our home and the impact that we can have by being able to, uh, to, to reach a lot of different people. And, and then also how we can take different steps to become closer and closer to Christ. Because that's what, that's what our, our, our goal should be is to, to become closer to Christ, our relationship to grow and develop and to, to, to change and take those next steps. And so uh, that's where we're at for, for today. And I want to I wanna, um, talk about just our influence, our opportunity to have an influence in this, in this life, in this world, and how that pertains to us as a church, okay? So I have a couple different things I want to throw out for you, and then we're going to try to catch up, catch as many of them as we can, and then move, uh, and then move on um, and, uh, and have some fun. So um, the first thing I want to share with you is, is this idea, this, this, this opportunity for influence that we have in how when we're, in a church, when we're a church, we're trying to, to reach our city, try to reach our community, reach our area. And that's the exact same thing that Jesus did. So our first level, our first circle that I have today, if you're writing notes or anything like this, it's a great opportunity for you to write that down and put it into your notes. And this is our first, this is our first circle. I have four circles that I want to share with you today, and it's all about our levels of influence that we have as believers and as a church. And this is the first one, it's, it's the city, it's the greater scope, it's the outside rim, it's the outer edge of all the circles that we're gonna have. And, uh, and this is our opportunity, this is what Jesus did. Jesus went to the city, he went to the different areas. When his ministry began, he went from city to city to preach, to perform miracles, and it was attractional, it was something that was, uh, it was, something that was happening, people wanted to know more about Jesus, and that was his first level of what he was doing. He was reaching people in the city, and as a church, we are doing the exact same thing. We want to be known as a church that is caring for our city, caring for our community, caring for our neighbors. And so uh, it, it, with the idea that we're not trying to change the city, but we're trying to serve the city. 
because Jesus was a servant leader, and so he went into the cities to serve people, to help people, to care for people, and that's who we should be as well. And one of the earliest ways that we've done this as a church is we've supported local nonprofits each month with our Connect cards. So when you fill out that Connect card, no matter if you're here for the very first time or if you're here every single Sunday, we give $1 as a church on your behalf to that nonprofit. It's one of the easiest ways that we have looked beyond our four walls to care for people in our city. It's small, it's insignificant, but that's something that we've done from day one. And I would love for us to step it up and to be able to serve our city at greater lengths, but that is our scope. Our very first thing that we should be trying to do is trying to reach people within the city. That's what Jesus did. That's where he started everything. Before he had his disciples, he had his opportunities in the city. And that's what we are to do. We are to serve the city. Jesus, when he called his disciples, he said, hey, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Anybody ever go fishing before? It's not the easiest thing in the world, right? You have, there's a lot of intentionality that goes into what you're going to do. First thing to first, you probably have to have a fishing pole, right? But, but if you're gonna be a real fisherman, you have the depth finder, you know where the fish are, you've gotta have the right bait, you've gotta have the right tackle, you've got to have the right whatever. There's a list can go on forever about how you can be better equipped to catch the fish. And so when we are trying to become fishers of men, fishers of people, as Jesus was challenging, we want to, to be able to equip and to take that next level and be able to be fully intentional about how we are going to, to catch these men, these women, women, people, okay? But here's the deal. We're the fishers. God's gonna be the one that catches. But just we, we wanna be better equipped to reach our city and be fishers of men. If we look at John chapter four, we see this, this story, and I referenced it last week. It's the woman at the well. And uh, at, at this point in the, in the story, this whole thing happened already, and, and, and it says this, this verse says this. It says, now many Samaritans from that town believed in him, which is Jesus, because of the, what the woman said when she testified. And she said, he told me everything that I ever did. He knew everything about me, and so she goes on and she starts to tell the, the, the whole city about this man, Jesus, that was able to tell her everything that she'd ever did. And so the story of, this, uh, of, of what happened here is that Jesus went into this city and he found this woman at the well, and, and you can do a whole big study on, on the timing of all of this and how it was midday and how it was the, not the best time to go to the well, but she had to because she had so many bad things that she had done in her life that it was the only time where, where she wouldn't have been accused of anything and she would just was trying to take care of her water and try to get that. There's a lot that can go into it, but the, the main thing is that Jesus went into the city and he went in and she recognized how, redeem, how he, was redeemed, he, was, he redeemed her and, uh, when, when she met him. Uh, in Luke chapter seven, we see the story of, of, um, of this prostitute. <clears throat> and then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with them and he entered into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there's this whole story. Uh, and the woman in the town who was, again, in the town, in the city, who was a sinner, found out that Jesus was reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house and she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Does it go on or no? Cool, that's fine, that's all we need to know. But she, here's this woman who, who totally needs to be redeemed and recognizes the fact that she's a sinner and she empties out her expensive flask of fragrant oil. This is not cheap stuff. This was a, a, an amazing, ceremonious 
uh, ceremonial thing that she was doing. She was recognizing that she was not pure, that she was in need of redemption, and she was bowing down before Jesus and pouring this and, and, and cleaning and taking care of his feet and taking care of him. And it was, it was a way um, for, for, for her to recognize and people were recognizing how special Jesus was. But Jesus, again, went into the city. This would have never happened had Jesus not gone from town to town. This was a very big moment in the life and the ministry of Jesus. In, John, in Luke chapter eight, verse one, here's another story. It says, soon afterwards, he was traveling from where? From one city to another city and was preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. And there were 12, 12 of them. This was the, the, the disciples. But here's the idea. Again, he's traveling from city to city. He, this is the outside scope of what his ministry was all about. He was reaching people. He was serving people. And he was taking care of people. Luke chapter 19, verse 41 says this, that he approached it and he saw the what? And he wept over it. See, Jesus cares for the city, he cares for the community, he cares for the people that are in the city. So we see this time and time again that Jesus went and he had a ministry that was in the city. So, that, so as a church, we are planting ourselves in this city, of the city of Maitland, in this community, which is part of the greater Orlando area. We have, we have multiple ridges that we can look at as far as what our city is, but we are a Maitland church, so we have focused on Maitland. We have, we have it on some shirts. We, we love this city. So that's our, first, that's our first scope. That's our first edge. We're gonna try to do what we can to reach the city, to serve the city. And then the second rim, the second thing that we see here is that we see a crowd. A crowd starts to happen. And that's what happens on Sunday. That's what we're a part of right now. We're a part of, of a crowd. We, we serve the city. We try to reach the city. We try to reach people. And then from that forms a crowd. Now, on a beautiful like this, day like this, I would love a bigger crowd, okay? But we understand that uh, people have got other things when the sun shines out and the weather's beautiful, okay? But a crowd forms, and that's exactly what Jesus was, 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 was able to do. He was able to, from what he was doing, as he was traveling from city to city, as he was caring for the people and serving the people in those cities, when he started to preach, when he started to do his thing, people started to form. The crowd started to form. Crowds gathered from house to house, and there's a story of a, of, of a time when he was preaching inside of a house, and, uh, and, and they had to cut the roof open. They had to cut the roof open so that they could lower their friends in because people were trying to get into the house and they could not get into Jesus. It was so full. There was such a big crowd. They tore the roof open and they lowered their friend down to be able to get this man closer to Jesus. And I would love it if we were a church that people were literally trying to kick down the wall. They were trying to tear the ceiling out to be able to get in here, to be able to be in the, in, in the presence of God. But, that, but that's what happens. Jesus began his ministry in the city and he was able to attract a crowd. And that's what our Sunday morning gathering is. It, is. it is a crowd. There are people that are here to be a part of something that has brought them here, which is Christ. Jesus is getting people to a crowd. And we work hard. I talked about the First Impressions crew. There's a, there's a big crew of people from First Impressions to the road crew to the Anchor, Anchor Kids crew to some of the other crews that are able to, the, the worship crew, to be able to make this thing happen each and every single Sunday. It is hard work, and it's work to get a crowd. It's work to go fishing, right? It's hard to go fishing. It's not the easiest thing in the world. And so for us to be able to work hard, it matters to God. It mattered to Jesus, so it's going to matter to us. We work to create a, a, an inviting space that is, that is welcoming, inviting to the crowd. 
Because I can think of a time in my life, and I've used this story before, but I can think of a time in my life where I wanted to be a part of a church, but I was a little intimidated to walk into a church by myself. I was intimidated to walk into a place that was unfamiliar. And I think every single one of you have stepped into a place where you were unfamiliar with the circumstances, you were unfamiliar with the place, you were unfamiliar with the people, and anything you can do to help make that more inviting, that's what I wanna do at Anchor Church. I want, I want people to be outside waving and welcoming them, in, welcoming them in. I have a story that when I was trying to go to a church in, in, in Gainesville when I was at the University of Florida, I, I remember driving in. We were five minutes late. I remember driving into the church, and the parking lot was pretty full. There was nobody in the parking lot. There was nobody outside greeting or waving, and we literally just drove in. We were intimidated by the fact that we were five minutes late, and I thought, this is everybody. We're going to open up the doors, and everybody's going to go, and look at us, right? That's, the, that's how we feel sometimes. And I thought, you know what? Let's not even bother. And I, it, it scares me to think of how many times somebody might have potentially driven through the neighborhood and decided, you know what? This is, I, I, this is a middle school. This is weird. I can't do it. And then they drive off. Or how many times somebody maybe have parked into a parking lot and then thought, you know what? I, not today. Now, I'm not going to get out of the car today. I'll try again next week. I wanna be able to create an environment that is welcoming to people. When you come in here, this is not what you expected when you walked into a middle school cafeteria. This is something far greater. It's welcoming, it's inviting. There's a good aroma in the building. There's donuts, there's coffee. All those things matter because we are attracting and we're trying to create this crowd. This isn't, this isn't the church. A Sunday morning crowd is not the church. Okay, I want that to be clear. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14 says this. It says, as he stepped ashore, he saw a huge crowd and felt compassion on them. And he healed their sick. So Jesus, as he was moving around, he was attracting a crowd. He saw a huge crowd and he felt compassion on them. That's why we are creating an environment that is welcoming and it's, it's, it's a great first impression because we want to feel like we have a great compassion for anybody that steps into this building because who knows what you're going through as you're sitting here right now, even listening to me speak. Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 and 11 say this. It says, maybe we don't have that one. Looking like we don't have that one. Okay, how about this? Mark chapter four, verses one and two. There we go. Again, he began to teach by the sea and a very large crowd gathered around him and he got into the boat on the sea, sat down and the whole crowd was on the shore facing the sea. Jesus was, was there. He attracted a crowd. The crowd was so big that he had to get into a boat and, and bump offshore a little bit so that he could address and speak to the whole crowd. And he taught them many things in parables and he was teaching them when he said to, said to them about these things that, that lists on, but we're not gonna go from that. But he, here's what we see. We see that people got introduced to Christ in the city, and then a crowd started to form. So much so that, that, that he needed to be able to create more space. And this is something that we see often when Jesus was beginning to, to, to speak publicly, that crowds would form. And, and I read here, and I think about this, and I think how he was teaching in parables. You guys know what par a parable is, is a story. That's one thing I love about Jesus so much. When he would begin, people would ask him questions, and he wouldn't really answer the question. He'd kind of give, you know, anybody ever ask a question, and then you get a question as, as the answer? It's frustrating. That's what Jesus did. He would either answer, the, uh, ask with, or answer with another question, or he would tell a story. And oftentimes, the stories were confusing, the ones that were the closest to him even didn't quite understand what these stories were, but they began to learn more and more as they took that next step. They came from the city, then they became a part of the crowd, and as he was teaching parables, 
And as he was teaching them one-on-one, we started to see the church form. And that's the next inner circle is the church. Not to call it an inner circle, but that's, that's, that's what I'm getting at. You, don't take that. Erase the fact that I said inner circle. Church is not an inner circle. But that's, that's the next level that we see in, the, in, in Jesus' model of ministry. He, he began to attract people from the crowd. He, he, he began to challenge his disciples and bring them in and reel them in and say, okay, listen, this is the next step. Jesus was always challenging, encouraging people to move from one place to another in their walk with him. And we see this after, after the church exploded in Acts. We see it often throughout history. Jesus, in his ministry, was challenging his own disciples to take up their cross and follow him. See, he started in the city with come and see, right? And we start to see these, these multiple steps as, as, beginner, as people are starting to follow him more. And so this is where we see the church. Now, the church, again, this right now is the crowd. The church are the people who are serving, who are doing the ministry. The church is the people who give, who are part of the ministry. The church is the people that are coming to small groups and are part of the ministry. The church is anybody that's involved in really being a part of this thing together. So if you're sitting here today and you're a part of the crowd, what we are begging and trying to tell you to do is to come and be a part of this thing with us. Welcome home. Be a part of this movement with us. That's what Jesus was doing. And we're doing the exact same thing. We want you to be a part of this church with us, as a body of believers with us. If you, if you sit here today and you're not quite sure about this whole Jesus thing, what we are trying to do is we're trying to get you from the crowd and be a part of the church with us. Again, this is the model that Jesus gave us. Matthew chapter nine, verse 37 says this. And when he said to the disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Those of you that serve and are part of the church understand this. You understand that we are a part of something that is small. And that's what Jesus, what's reassuring in this is that Jesus told us it was gonna be this way. But there's so much to do. There's so much harvest to be bringing in. There are so many people. The harvest is the people of, uh, uh, that Jesus is trying to reach. You can look around. You could stand five minutes outside here and watch cars and bikes and all kinds of people go by. That's the harvest. There's the opportunity for us to reach the city, bring them and be a part of the crowd, and then invite them to be a part of something, a movement of God that is the church. This is what Jesus gave his life for was the church. This is what Jesus is coming back for is the church. It's the body of believers. And we wanna be able to see you and bring you to that next step to be a part of it. It's the disciples that were doing the ministry, just like we are in the church. Matthew chapter 10, verse one says this. Summoning all 12 of his disciples, he gave them the authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. See, he gave this special thing to the disciples. He gave them this special authority to be able to do the work, to do the ministry, to, do, to perform some amazing things. And when you're a part of the church, when you're a part of, not that you're gonna heal and disease sickness, but you have an opportunity to be a part of something that's bigger than you when you are a part of the church. There's always an opportunity to be influencing and take it to the next level. And so we see the 12 disciples. That Before that, there was even 72 disciples, and Jesus brought in more of the 12 to bring them a part of that, to be a part of the church. But even among this 12, we always talk about the 12 disciples. 11 of them were pretty awesome guys. One of them, not so good. Uh, it's another day, if you don't know that story. 
It's coming soon, though. Easter's really soon. But among that 12, among that 11, Jesus had his core. And that's the, that's the inside circle, the final circle that we have here. Jesus had his core. He moved from 72 to 12, and then he had about two or three. And oftentimes in Scripture, we see James, John, and, uh, um, and Peter were a part of that inner core for Jesus. Luke, uh, verse eight, uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 51 says this. After he came to the house, he let no one enter with him except for, I need your help, except for, those are the three, to the child's father and mother. It's a story about how Jesus wanted these three specifically to come with him because those, that was his inner core. That was, his, that was for his people. Those were his guys. Matthew chapter 17, verses one through three says this. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them to the high mountain by themselves. And he was transformed in front of them. And his face shone like the sun. Even his clothes began, became white as the light. And suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared before them talking to him. And so what we see here is that Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets and how at this moment, Jesus brought these three guys with him to be able to experience this with him so that they could see the fulfillment of both the prophets and the law happen right in front of him and understand that who he was and what his divinity was all about. But again, it's that, it's that, it's that three, it's that core. And right now at Anchor Church, we're working on being able to provide and, and to care and to work on who our core is so that we can be able to replicate this, so that we can take that core again and then build upon it. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, 38 says this, and Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took three of his core disciples with him along with talking I'm sorry taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee James and John and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed and then he said to them my soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death remain here and stay awake with me whole other story that follows after this one but again he brings his core with him into the moment where he is he needs them the most to the point of death He has his core with him. So I want to challenge you today. Have you recognized what circle you potentially are in? And how are you leveraging your influence in that circle? And how are you leveraging your influence to potentially bring people closer? In the city. I wanna give you some practical things in the city. If you, if, if you wanna begin to reach people in the city, the number one thing that you can do is just be an encouragement. Just be an encouragement. I see, I see Joe sitting over here and I, I met him in the city at Maitland Rotary. And that's a fantastic organization doing fantastic things all around our area. Fantastic guy right here, loves to cook, loves to go places and just... It's encouraging. And I sit there every Tuesday morning and people are encouraging to each other. That, that's where it starts. It starts with encouragement. Everyone can be an encouragement. It costs nothing to give and it's priceless to receive. 
I'll tell you what, when you begin to be encouraging, doors start to open. Be an encouragement, learn names, ask questions. And you know what happens there? Hey, um, you should come with me on Sunday. We have invite cards, right? You should come with me on Sunday. What is it, a church? No, 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 it's a crowd. But come with, come with me on Sunday, and then you're pulling somebody from that one circle to the next. And it starts there. It's just a crowd that's gathering. That's, that's all that it is. But in the crowd, you start to take that encouragement level up. And in here, I'd like to think that we lead by example. So that somebody that may be far from Christ, but you know what, they come in and be a part of the crowd. They can start to look around. Maybe you're taking notes today. That's encouraging. That's what happens in Anchor Church. These people are into what's happening and they're, I'm gonna write this, I'm gonna write this down. I'm gonna write these circles. I'm gonna circles me, but I'm gonna write them down. It's an encouragement. You're singing loud. We sang loud today. I commented on that. That's an encouragement to other people around you that may not necessarily know what the heck is going on. think about Easter and I think about the time when Jesus came into the city and he was declaring that he was who, who he was and people were recognizing that and they were waving the palms like on Palm Sunday, that's why we do the palm thing, but they were waving the palms and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, they were welcoming him into the city, but then five days later, all the same people were saying, crucify him, crucify him, because that's the opportunity that we have with our influence. We can use it for either for good or for bad and that's what was happening in that city was that the people were being influenced for bad. And they, they, were, they were the same people that were welcoming Jesus and, 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 and giving him the open arms and the keys of the city were trying to crucify him just five days later. In the core, when that next step happens, I'm sorry, we're in the crowd still, the church, I'm sorry, the church. In the church, we're trying to, we're trying to, to coach each other. That's, that's why small groups are so important because we can help each other, we can guide each other, we can say, hey, this is, this is what you should do because I've been there. Listen, I, I, know that, I know that you're not perfect, I'm not perfect either, but I, I've been where you're at and this is how I managed it and I can coach you through that, I can walk you through that. That's why it's so important for us to be able to, to serve alongside of other people. And we come and, and, and we have a good time setting up the pipe and drape because we, we wanna have fun together and we're coaching each other talking about different things. There's a lot of opportunities we have to be able to coach and be able to, to, to work together and to encourage each other. And then inside the core, that's where we start to challenge one another. And I think that we can have all these different steps personally as well. You can have your own core group of people that you're close to, but you need to have them. And I believe that I'm starting to work on my core right now and that's where you're challenged. That's where you can challenge and that's where you can be challenged. That's where there's accountability and it goes both ways. they're challenging you to take it further I can think of Mike Casey sitting over here recently just there was accountability that was set up there and, and there's also just challenge that's, that's happening there on both sides and that's what I think about when I think about the core is that you have this group of people that is challenging you and pushing you here's, a, here's an important thing though too that just doesn't happen it either has to be invited or it has to be uh, a lot of times it's invited Jesus invited his, his, his people to be a part of his core. 
Don't just expect people to be a part of your core without any type of conversation, invite or an ask. But the goal is always to move to the next level. So no matter where you are, if you're in the city, we're reaching in the city, we're trying to bring people, hey, listen, we want you to be a part of something special. Come, come be a part of our crowd. And if you've been sitting in the crowd for, for any number of weeks, time, that's fine. That's why we're doing what we're doing. But we, we would love for you to take that next step and be a part of the church and do ministry alongside of us, be with us. And then from the church, we're saying, hey, listen, there's a, there's a core group of people. We'd love for you to, if you're ready to be challenged, if, you, if you're ready to, to put in some extra work in, in pursuing Christ even, even deeper, then, then we, we challenge you to be a part of this next core. This is the model that Jesus gave us. There's, there's other ways that people have looked at this in the past, and, and I think that these, these four are, 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 are great and they're critical. And so figure out where you are and take, take the appropriate steps. Be an encouragement. Be an encouragement. Uh, be a part of, of, of a crowd. Coach within the church and be willing to accept the challenge or challenge in a core. Think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I heard this recently. You were there too, and I'm trying to pull it in my mind exactly. But uh, the pastor said that Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he had his three with him, and he went on, and he was praying by his his own. He said, do you remember this? Or no? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to recall too. But, But the pastor said this. He said that Jesus didn't, I mean, he died on the cross. But in the garden is where he really, where he really died. His heart was broken. And the night before, we're gonna receive communion here in just a moment, and, and I just wanna recognize this, that the night before Jesus was crucified, he sat up there with his, his disciples in, in the upper room. And um, again, he was speaking, and, and they didn't quite, even to this point, did not even understand what was happening and why it was happening. But he said, listen, I'm, I'm about to give my life. And they said, no, no, no. Peter said, no, 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 no. That's not gonna, not you. What I love about Peter is that he, he I, I familiarize myself with him because if, if I read of anything in the, in the scriptures, I'm not a Paul. <laughs> I'm not a Paul. Paul was a scholar, just, I'm Peter. I'm the one that'd be like, no, Jesus, not you. And then like trying to be friendly and then basically be called Satan for being friendly. But that's what Jesus did. He always was challenging his disciples, the people that were following him to take that next step. When Jesus was out in the city and he was gathering his disciples, he said, come and see. Hey, just come and see what I'm all about. Come and see, listen, be a part of what's happening. That's what we're doing when we're reaching the city. But then, towards the end of his ministry, to my man Peter, who said, no, no, Jesus, you don't, you're not gonna do that. He said, get behind me, Satan. But then he also said, hey, listen, if you're gonna follow me, I know that you've been following me for like two and a half years at this point, but if you're truly gonna follow me, I want you to take that next step. I, want, I don't want you to be a part of the church anymore. I want you to be a part of the core. If you're really gonna follow me, then you're gonna have to take up your cross and follow me. Meaning that you're gonna have to give your life to follow me. It was a huge moment. 
This is what Jesus was doing. He was always cold morning like this morning, turn on the fire, uh, turn, turn on the fire, turn on the water for the shower and, and, and it's nice and warm and you always kind of, you just can't hop in and just get full hot water on you, right? You have to kind of feel it where it's at. And okay, it's good enough for me to get in. And then if you like a hot shower, like my wife, scolding hot, fear for her life sometimes in there. But it, you slowly turn up, you slowly turn up the heat to the temperature that you like. But that's how Jesus was. He, was. he would systematically just turn up the heat on us, on his disciples. Challenging. Take it to the next level. Take it to the next level. You're in the city? Come be a part of the crowd. You're in the crowd? Come be a part of the church. You're in the church? Come be a part of this core, James, John, Peter. Take up your cross and follow me. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.